started today, I want to test a statistic with you all. Um, how many of you have social media in some shape, form, or fashion? Raise your hand. All right. Was it 100% of us in this room? No? All right. Who didn't have it? <laughs> I won't make it. Oh, that's right. Beth doesn't have it. Uh, the statistics say 90% of people, 90% of Americans are on social media of some, uh, some sort. Is my mic working okay? It's green, but I don't know. Sorry, y'all. Let's make sure we get this right from the start. Check, check, check. Keep talking, they say. Is that better? All right. Um, with the rise of social media, there was this, this new art form that really came into being. Um, or actually, maybe it didn't come into being, but it was given a, a new platform on which it could flourish and come into all its fullness. It is the art of false modesty, commonly known as the humble brag. Do y'all know what a humble brag is, right? Um, I know as you look at that, you're thinking, all right, like, what is this? I mean, these are two anonyms like squeezed together that completely contradict one another. But, but we human beings, we are overachievers, aren't we? We are. And we don't like to be told what we can and cannot do. And so we have indeed melded these two words together to help us express what it's like to, to, to try to be humble, to try to, to, um, to really be, be reserved and maybe even um, self-critical of ourselves while at the same time pointing out our most impressive qualities. There are all kinds of different approaches to this. And let's just go ahead and put this out here. We've all done it. Okay. So this is not to shame like anyone here in this room. Okay. But let's roll through some of these examples. First of all, there is the humble grumble, we will call it the humble grumble, instead of coming right out and boasting like, hey, I've got a really nice car. Instead, what you do is you couch that that um, that boast in a complaint. You say something like, oh man, no one told me when I bought this, this convertible Corvette that I would get pulled over all the time. Wow, we feel so sorry for you. Or um, there is the, the brag drag. The brag drag is when, you know, you want to avoid sounding self-important. And so um, you, you, instead of just like talking on, honestly, about this amazing opportunity that you've been given, you, you disguise it by putting yourself down in one way or another. So an example of this would be like you saying, goodness, I am such a slow writer. I am never going to finish the sequel to my best-selling novel. Bless. <laughs> Or here's an advanced technique for you. This is called the baffled boast. Um, if you don't want to come right out and, and, you know, say what it is that you're, you're proud of, you can jump on social media and crowdsource it, ask a question, you know. So jump on there and say something like, does anyone know if uh, you can claim a yacht as a home office? 
Subtle as a heart attack, isn't it? P.S. If you have a yacht, you probably have enough money to ask a professional that question. But there's also the shame sham in which you feign embarrassment for receiving some kind of honor. You know, this would be like getting on social media and saying, I am so embarrassed. I had to go on stage and accept this award that all of my coworkers nominated me for. Hashtag awkward. But we Christians, we take humble bragging to new heights, you guys. We're really good at this. Um, there's, there's what we'll call the glory gloat, which all Christians, you know, they kind of hold this as an ace in their hand that they can throw, throw down any time they need to drop a brag in. Because here's what we can do, y'all. We can just blame it on Jesus. We, we can do something like this. We can say, all praise to Jesus. I just got inducted into the Powderly Hall of Fame hashtag blessed, right? That's got to go on there. Hashtag blessed. But um, as a side note, there is no such thing as the Powderly Hall of Fame, but it should totally exist, okay? Um, If you don't know where that is, it's in Muhlenberg County and where I'm from. But here's one final humble brag for you that we Christians are exceptionally good at, and it is what we'll call the sacred sneak. All right. In case you ever need to use this, let me tell you how you do it. This is when you're you're dropping in some totally unnecessary detail into a story as you're setting it up. So it could look like this. You could say something like, during my regular hour-long devotional time that I have every day at 4 a.m., I saw a hummingbird outside my window. Okay? Or Um, While I was praying through the directory, each person in our congregation today, I spilt, um, well, it wouldn't be coffee, Diet Coke all over myself. You know, I thought about this for a while. I was like, okay, there's, there's some other names we could call this. We could call it like the casual crow or the, the holy how, but whatever you call it, it is indeed a favorite of, of those of us who love Jesus. Here's my question though. Why do we do this? Why do we go through all this trouble and do all these gymnastics to to try to appear humble yet brag at the same time? In fact, research, it tells us that we come across as much more sincere to other people if we just come right out and boast. And so why do we persist in our humble brag efforts? Maybe it's because we've been told that that it it's not really a good thing for us to point out our own successes. Maybe we've been told that that we shouldn't celebrate our own strengths, that that's rude and obnoxious. But at the same time, all of us have this same longing to belong. All of us want to, to be seen as someone who adds value to our world. All of us want to be seen as someone who deserves to be included and accepted and loved. And so we do the gymnastics. We get creative and we not so subtly at, at times shrewdly sell ourselves to others when we can. While the term humble brag definitely had not been coined yet back in the, the first century, I believe the spirit of the humble brag was alive and well all the way back in the ancient world. 
In the book of Colossians, we've been, we've been traveling along with this small group of believers um, who have just started following Jesus. They're Gentiles, which means they're all brand new to this whole worshiping one God thing. And at the same time, they're surrounded by Jewish Christians who have been at this, who have all kinds of experience of worshiping the one true God. And those Jewish Christians, they're going around and they're saying things like, well, we do this and we don't do that. Or we celebrate this, but we don't celebrate that. Essentially going around and and humble bragging all over the place about how committed to God they are. And so I can just imagine like the swirl and the pressure that this had to place on the Colossians. As, as they're kind of hearing all these sn- sacred sneaks happening all around them, you know, they have to start wondering and getting anxious. Like, should I be doing that? Should I stop doing that? Should I avoid this over here? Because, because I want to be included. I don't want to be shunned. Because remember, this, this group of people that, that Paul is writing to, they're human beings. They have this same need for belonging that all of us have. And so they too would have wanted to be accepted by others. It would have been very easy for them to want to, 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 to get kind of confused and, and, um, off balance as they start like comparing themselves to all the people around them. However, Paul, he doesn't want them to get distracted. He doesn't want there to be anything that is getting in the way of them experiencing the freedom and the fullness that Jesus laid down his life to give to us all. In fact, where we left off in Colossians 2 last week, that's what Paul's been talking about. Where we left off, Paul has just described what Jesus has already accomplished for us through the cross. How Jesus has already canceled the debts of our sins that hang over our heads. How Jesus has already disarmed all the powers and authorities that accuse us and condemn us. How he has already made us alive. In short, Paul has stressed to the Colossians how they are already included in God's family. Period. Full stop. Nothing more is required. Now, in verse 16, he says a key word. He says, therefore. And therefore, we should pay attention to that because what that's telling us is that it's in light of what he's just said. That it's because of what he has just said. That it's as a result of what Jesus has already accomplished, what he has already done, what he has already finished. That, he says to the Colossians, you should not let anyone judge. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You know, these things that are listed here in this passage, um, eating and drinking certain things, religious festivals, new moon celebrations, Sabbath day, these were some of the practices that, that the Jewish people engaged in as they kind of lived all scattered out from one another across the ancient world, ac- away from their homeland. These were some of the things they did to, to be distinct, to stand out. These are some of the ways that they ordered their life of worship and, and, and that helped them stay connected to God. But Paul says, like, all of these actions that God had given to them to do this, that they're just shadows, shadows of what is really important, Jesus. 
However, shadows, they can be quite captivating, can't they? Have you ever noticed this? You don't have to raise your hand. I won't make you do it. But have you ever found yourself, you know, like kind of making a shadow animal on a wall? Or you've seen kids do it, right? You haven't done it. But maybe kids have done it. Um, It's actually really funny to watch kids discover their shadows for the first time because they're not always so sure what to do with it. And so I actually found a video of some kids discovering their shadows and let's see how they react to it. And they're following you. They're going to get you. They're going to get that they don't always make the connection that there's something solid, something of substance that's making it, usually themselves, right? And in a similar way, Jewish Christians were so focused on on these practices, these shadows that God had given to them, that, that they are distracted from the solid one, that they're distracted from the one of substance that the shadows have been pointing to all along. Paul, he doesn't want the Colossians wasting their time chasing and waving at and giving fives to shadows when they could embrace the actual real thing of substance in their lives. He doesn't want them to be all torn up about what they should be eating and drinking and making sure they're they're doing all, all the right things and worshiping on all the right days. He wants them to keep the main thing the main thing. He calls them and us to single-minded devotion to Jesus. And so he, he goes on. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Evidently, you know, at this point in time, there's some people that are engaging in spiritual practices and they're kind of taking them to extremes. That's how they're, they're making themselves stand out. For example, 
take fasting. You know, fasting is a spiritual practice that God has given to all of us that can help us connect to him. Um, it's a, a time of setting aside food so that we can focus more fully on, on God through prayer. Um, but there's some people who began engaging in the practice of fasting and saying, you know what, just like the regular way we do it, it's not good enough. We got to ramp this up. We got to see how long we can do it. And we need to stay awake the whole time we're engaging in this practice in the hopes that perhaps they would receive a vision from God, that they might receive a message from one of his angels. Of course, you know, we know now, and maybe they knew then, that if you go long enough without food and sleep, hallucinations are very possible, right? But um, fasting, this practice that was supposed to begin and end and be all about in between humility, you know, about us recognizing our great need for God, this practice that's all about relying on him, this practice that Jesus says no one should even know when we're doing it, they're taking this practice and they're warping it into something to distinguish themselves as being super spiritual. It's being used to be a humble brag, to make sure that everyone knows that these people are in, that they are included, that they belong it almost seems silly as, as we go back and we read this 2,000 years later. But goodness gracious, don't we still do this today? Jesus came saying that he was the way and the truth and the life. But rather than pursuing and pointing others to him, we can still get caught up in trying to distinguish ourselves. Jesus came saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But what we tend to do is try to, to take that law that he liberated from us from and put it back on our own shoulders and then even try to put it back on the shoulders of others. But here's the deal. Jesus invites us not to rigid rules, but to a real relationship with him. A relationship that, that grows us and challenges us, that shapes us and changes us, that calls us to, to not false humility, but to real sacrifice as you and I seek to live our lives in step with him. But can we be honest for a second that's pretty hard for us because I don't know about you, but I kind of like to be in control <laughs> with a list of rules. We, we can be right with a list of rules. We know what we need to be doing and we can measure ourselves and we can see how well we're doing. But in a relationship, allowing Jesus to lead us, we have no idea where that might take us. What if he, he leads us to, to let go of something that we've been finding our identity in rather than him for a long time? Or what if he leads us to change our mind about something that our community has told us we should never question? Or what if he leads us to have a, a different set of values than those around us and they look at us and they think that we're weird? Control is hard for us to let go of. Um, let's just think about this in a pretty practical way. Um, how many of you like to be the driver when you're going on a trip? 
Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, some of us, we like to be in that driver's seat because when you're in the driver's seat, what can you do? Well, you get to set the speed. Um, in our car, you get to set the music if you drive. Um, you, you, get to, uh, you get to decide what's the best route, and you can make sure that you are going where you want to go, right? Um, I actually don't like to drive. I let Jeremy drive us most every place, and so I thought that that might be the one area of my life that I didn't have control issues. Um, however, I discovered I was wrong on our first anniversary. Um, Jeremy wanted uh, to do something very sweet, very nice, very romantic. He was going to take me on this trip um, and, that he planned that was a total surprise. And so he's like wanting to blindfold me to take me there. And as soon as he says this, I, I, I almost ruined the whole weekend because I throw an absolute Fit. I'm like, what if I look silly walking around with a blindfold on? Or what if he takes me someplace I don't really want to go? What if, what if, what if? I mean, I had committed to spending my entire life with this person. And I thought that I trusted him. But evidently, maybe I didn't. <laughs> I wanted control because we like to be able to plot out our own path and see very clearly where we're headed and be able to make sure we're getting there at the rate that we want. It's hard to let go of control. Furthermore, we as human beings, we are prone to comparison. And again, that list of rules, it allows us to very easily see how we are stacking up against everyone else. The rules, don't do this, don't do that. They give us all that we need to be able to drop in the humble brags that we need in order to prove that we are worthy of belonging. But in a relationship, allowing Jesus to be the sole source of our worth, that can feel very vulnerable. That means that, that as we pursue Jesus, that some people might think that we're not doing it right. That means that as we're pursuing Jesus, that, that some people might, might question us or say we're misguided. It might say that some people think that we're even being rebellious as we pursue him. I mean, here in this book of Colossians, part of what's happening is that there's a group of people that are, are going around and saying that, that Paul's watering the gospel down. But so often the fear that we feel of being excluded or rejected by others can, that can keep us stuck beneath the weight uh, of these rules that we were never, ever meant to bear. Maybe you've had experiences in church where you felt that weight, the weight of knowing that there was some rigid rules that defined who was out and who was in. In just the past few weeks, I've heard stories of people um, who weren't allowed to be baptized for some arbitrary reason, stories of people whose commitment to Jesus was questioned because they didn't speak in tongues, people who were counseled to stay in an abusive relationship because divorce was never, ever permissible. And I could keep going. I hear these stories, unfortunately, all the time. I, um, I shared part of this story in a small group last week, but uh, one of my earliest memories of a church, um, mom and dad, you can help me with this. I can't remember all the specifics. I was pretty little. But one of my first memories of church was of a woman kind of being shunned for wearing pants. Was it to worship or to just like, I mean, she wore pants to worship. And so people were in an uproar. They had a business meeting about it. The pastor actually stood up for her. 
Pastor Black, right? Brother Black. And said, like, this is no reason to question someone's faithfulness to God. And eventually he was fired for taking such stance. But I noticed that as a little girl. You know, I noticed that. And I noticed that women weren't allowed to pray or to teach when men were present. And I noticed that preaching was completely out of the question. And so my own fear of not belonging, my own fear of not being included, my own fear, most of all, of being seen in some way as rebellious or not faithful to the Jesus I was so desperately trying to follow, I mean, it kept me like running away from and denying this strong sense of call that I felt very early on in my life. But comparison, it can, it can do that. It can keep us trapped. It can hold us back because we're stuck just anxiously looking around at everyone else, trying to make sure that we fit in rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus. But again, Paul wants more than that world for us. He wants more than control and comparison. He wants us to experience fullness. And so he says to the Colossians and he says to us, don't get caught up in these rigid rules. These rigid rules that might sound like wisdom, but are really just human commands that are going to perish. Don't taste, don't touch, don't handle. Instead, He calls us to real relationship with Jesus because he says he's the head. He's the source that gives life to the whole body and that causes it to grow. Our connection to him is what matters most. It's so interesting because, you know, the thing that so often keeps us trapped and and following these rigid rules instead of engaging in a real relationship with Jesus is this fear of not belonging. But as we journey along with Jesus in relationship, here's what we discover. We discover that there's really no longer any need for us to prove our worth. We discover that, that we are right at home, that we are right where we belong in him. No humble brags required.